0: I love this time of year, don't you? And I've been telling our congregation about how it's kind of, uh, someone used the term Advent conspiracy, and part of that is the fact that, you know, we help people in need in many, many ways through the holiday season. And I'm so happy our church has been able to bless a number of families who would not have been able to have Christmas otherwise. So thank you for helping. It's been great. Yes. (laughs) And, and then there's just the fact that, you know, every house that has decorative lights on it, whether they know it or not, they are proclaiming Jesus as light of the world. Because that's what those lights mean, right? Right? So they're in on it, whether they realize it or not. And uh, I love being out in a, in a grocery store or fast food restaurant and hear a Christian uh, Christmas carol playing over the sound system, and I'm like, I hope everybody's listening, and uh, going over the words in their mind, because what a great testimony to Jesus Christ. You know, the world stops every year about this time, and not everybody recognizes the reason for the season, but we know that Jesus is the reason. We know it's his birthday, right? And so in a little while, we're going to have a birthday cake, and we're going to sing happy birthday to Jesus. Jesus. And we are going to give him our love and the present of our lives, of our hearts. And it's my prayer that if you're here tonight and you have not really committed your life in faith to him, that maybe this could be your night. You know, sometimes we're just ready and there's a moment to pray and it's our moment. And then there's many of us here who have faith in Christ and are walking with him and it's, it's good every so often when the Spirit of God nudges our lives and touches our hearts to say, yeah, I'm, I'm in, I'm still in, I'm all in as a follower of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. The only way to explain Christmas is love, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. That's not just after we die. That's more and better life right now than we could ever have without Christ. And a life hereafter with Him in a place He's prepared for us. So I was thinking about the love of God, the amazing love of God. The Bible tells us that God's love is so large it cannot be fully understood or grasped. It is, in fact, immeasurable and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. I love that. May you experience His love, even though it's too great to fully understand. There isn't much in our world that we're not able to... that we're not able to measure. You know, science has helped us to measure things that once were thought immeasurable. Nancy and I used to live in the state of Oregon. If you're from there, that's the way you say it. If you say Oregon, you're not from there, okay? So uh, when we lived there, I went to seminary. We, a couple of different times, made a trip to southern Oregon to the deepest lake in the United States, Crater Lake, in the top of a volcano that's been blown off, And for many years, people said it was immeasurably deep. But then, of course, science tried to figure it out, right? In the late 1800s, I could only imagine what it was like. They got piano wire and weights and kept adding it and measuring it and trying to figure out how deep it was. They couldn't get an accurate reading. As late as the 1950s, they tried again and got a particular measurement, but it was really the year 2000. Just imagine only 15 years ago when everyone decided that it was 1,949 feet deep, the deepest lake in the United States. We live 60 miles from the 13th deepest lake. You know which one that is? Lake Huron, just over there to the east, 750 feet deep. There isn't much we can't measure except... God's love cannot be measured. You can't get to the end of it. You can't get to the bottom of it. What was that old song? So high, can't get over it. So low, you can't get under it. So wide, you can't get around it. Oh, rock of my soul or something like that. I never understood that part. But anyway, it's uh, it's high and deep and long and wide and And it is amazing love. It is the love of God that came to earth, like Pastor Shane said, and wrapped itself in human flesh, love with skin on. And understanding that and fully comprehending that, the Bible says it's a mystery. We'll never know until we experience it for ourselves. We receive that love and something inside us shifts and changes and God's love comes alive in us. God's love cannot be fully measured, and God's love cannot be stopped. It cannot be overcome. In John's Gospel, where he talks about his version of the Christmas story, uh, the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, he says the light was the light of men, and the light shined into the darkness, and get this, the darkness couldn't put it out. The darkness couldn't overcome it. I don't know about you, but there are days when it feels like the darkness is overcoming it. Uh, One more victory for ISIS, one more attack in Paris, one more uh, mass murder in San Bernardino, and you begin to despair. And you begin to wonder where the hope is. And then you realize that it's always been this way. There's always been darkness. The darkness has always tried to put out the light. But the good news of God's word is the darkness never wins. The light pushes back the darkness. It only takes a spark. It only takes a spark to push back the darkness. And the light of Christ is so much more than that. He is the light of the world. I was looking at this candle over here. And when Pastor Shane lit it, I noticed how tall the flame became. And I was just thinking about what a metaphor that is for the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the fact that the light overcomes the darkness and cannot put it out. Some friends of ours, well, actually, it was the Bengry family. They were over at our our staff Christmas party just the other night, and we were talking about our habit now that we live here in this area of driving down to Rochester to see the lights in downtown Rochester. Anybody seen the lights in downtown Rochester? They are beautiful. We make a trip down there, and so spontaneously they decided to go down there, and someone put on Facebook the other day, when do they take them down? When do they turn them out? Well, they turn them out, sadly, on the 3rd of January at midnight, they will be gone. Jesus' light is never going out. They're never going to turn that light off. He is never going away. His light continues to shine in us, through us, around us, beyond us. He is the light of the world. So, you may feel a little far from God tonight. I do sometimes. You may feel like you've said or done something that disqualifies you from God's love. On your good days and on your bad days, God loves you. When you feel close to Him or when you feel far from Him, God loves you. When you're facing things that are bigger than you are, and I know that at Christmas, many of us find this season challenging. Some of you know, my stepdad died on Christmas Day and my mom three days later. And yet I do find hope in the fact that they went home for Christmas. But it isn't easy. And we walk through the dark times and the hard times. And we don't pretend it doesn't hurt. We just claim the fact that the light of Christ is with us, even when it's dark. Even when we struggle. Christ loved you in your crib and He will love you on your deathbed. He loves you. And the darkness cannot it out so the love of God cannot be fully measured the love of God can't be overcome but the love of God can be expressed that's why we're here for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life so God gave us Christ God gave us life that's who Jesus is love with skin on and I love reading through the Gospels. I think I've mentioned that early in the new year, in just a few weeks, in fact, Pastor Shane and I are going to do together a series on uh, the uniqueness and the beauty and the power of the Bible itself. And we read in the Gospels these stories of the life of Jesus, and he's amazing. Nobody ever loved like this man, nobody ever helped and healed like he did. It, it, I love the fact when he teaches, the crowd say, who is this guy? He teaches with authority. We've never heard anybody like him. Because there's never been anyone like Jesus and never will be anyone like Jesus. He is the perfect son of God. The master teacher, the perfect healer, the lover of lost and wounded and weary people. And he is our Lord. And so... Jesus is God's love expressed. And of course, it didn't stop with touching and teaching and loving and healing, did it? It took the thorn and the whip and the nails and the cross and he showed us the full extent of God's love when he gave himself to pay for the sins of the whole world, yours and mine. And so tonight we are humbled before The love of God, the love that can't be fully measured, the love that will never be overcome, the love that has been expressed, and the love that can be received. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. That's what John said in the same passage where he talked about Jesus becoming flesh and blood and moving into the neighborhood. In other words, God has given us this incredible gift, but the gift has to be received. Uh, You've heard about people who won the lottery and never claimed the prize, right? People who were uh, given an incredible inheritance but never showed up in court to sign the paperwork. That's what happens if we look at the gift of life in Christ and don't respond. You know, the, the gift has to be received, right? We receive the gift of eternal life through an honest and sincere prayer from our hearts. We open the door of our lives to Him. And that's our will and that's our choice. And I hope if you haven't made that choice, you'll make it tonight. Love cannot be fully measured. It cannot be overcome. It can be expressed. It needs to be received. And last, it should be shared. The love of Christ isn't something we keep to ourselves. Uh, Pastor Shane talked about the fact that at the very end of his life on earth, Jesus said, go. Go in my name. Love people everywhere in my name. And, and uh, so that's the challenge of our lives. If you know Christ, if he's alive in you, then he should change you and make you a more loving person. Isn't that a good idea? Let me try that again. Isn't that a good idea? Yeah. <laughs> so we get to practice for at least the next 48 hours. Uh, we're we're going to be together with our family, right? And now, I, it may be that your family has fully mature, emotionally stable, uh, easy to get along with people, or you might have real folks. And... Uh, so we get to get along with each other and put up with each other. and I don't know, every family I know has at least that one person that's kind of extra grace required, a little funky. And um, So when you sit down to the dinner table tomorrow and you look around and you're trying to figure out who that person is and you can't figure it out, it's you, <laughs> right? It's you. <laughs> but I, I think about... Uh, you know and it's true in the church, too. I mean, we're all different. We all sometimes we don't get along as well as we probably should, and we need God's grace to help us, to teach us, to change us at your house and in God's house. And so here's the good news. Love has come, and he makes impatient people more patient. And irritable people, less irritable. And selfish people, less self-centered and more self-giving. That's who Jesus is, and he is alive in us. So I was thinking about a Christmas story that I've always wanted to tell. I've been doing Christmas sermons now for 36 years, and I've never gotten to tell it. It was written a long time ago now by author Philip Pearl S. Buck. She won the Pulitzer Prize for Literature. Uh, She won the the Nobel Prize for Literature. And she wrote the story called uh, Christmas in the Morning. It was the Christmas that Rob turned 15. And every morning, early in the morning, his dad, Adam, came and got him up four o'clock or so to help with the chores. They had a small farm and a a few dairy cattle, and they did it the old-fashioned way. So Adam would wake up Rob, and he'd get things ready while Rob got dressed. Rob would go down and help his dad, and they'd milk the cows and clean up in the barn a little bit, and then they'd have breakfast together. And Rob had started to resent it, especially during the holidays, you know. It was close to Christmas, and he really didn't want to get up, and Felt like his dad was being kind of hard on him. But one particular day, as he went down early in the morning, he heard his mom and dad talking and they didn't see him. His mom, Mary, was insisting that this was a good thing. Adam said, well, I don't know, you should see see how sound he sleeps. I hate waking him up that early. Mary said, well, He's old enough, and it's good for him, and it makes a huge difference when the two of you do it together, it goes much faster. Adam said, yeah, but I still hate to do it. Robin never thought about that before. I mean, for the first time, he the thought crossed his mind that maybe his dad wasn't trying to punish him or anything. Maybe he just needed help. The next day or so, he got thinking about Christmas and the family was talking about the story of Mary and Joseph and the baby and the manger and the stable and all that. And it clicked. And Rob came up with his plan. So very early Christmas morning, earlier than usual, about quarter to three, he got himself up, got himself dressed, snuck down to the barn and milked the cows by himself. He'd never done it alone before, but it didn't seem all that hard because he was doing it for his dad because he loved him. He snuck back upstairs just in time and took off his clothes and got into the covers, and heard his dad's footsteps coming up the stairs. Rob, what did you do? <laughs> he said, oh, dad, I did it for you. It's for Christmas. His dad came in the room and reached down and they hugged each other in the dark. Rob said, I, I just wanted you to know. And he could hardly get the words out. His dad said, well, it's the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me for Christmas or any other time. So a little bit later, when they all gathered around the breakfast table, the two young ones and Adam and Mary, Rob was kind of embarrassed and proud at the same time when, he, when his dad told the story of what his son had done. He said, on Christmas, from now on, I'll never forget this. This is the nicest gift I've ever received. And they didn't forget, and they told the story, and they lived it over and over again for as long as Rob's dad lived. And when he was gone, Rob remembered the story by himself of the Christmas he learned about love, because it was the very first time he gave a gift just because he loved. Jesus, of course, is the greatest gift of all. He is the gift of God's love, and he calls us to love him back. And love is something you do, not just something you feel. That's what makes that story so special for me. Because there are many, many times in my life with the people I love the most that what they need for me to do is a simple act of love. If you get love wrong, you can't get life right. But if you get love right, you can get life right. So we're going to take a minute and quiet our hearts. And I'm going to ask you to receive the greatest gift of all and to give the greatest gift, to give your life to Christ. Maybe for the first time, or perhaps again. Let's pray. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given and God imparts to human hearts the blessings of His heaven. No ear may hear His coming, but in this world of sin, where dear hearts will receive Him still, the dear Christ enters in. So Lord, we thank You for quiet moments at Your feet, for the challenge of loving the way You love. And we start right now by Honoring you and your sacrifice and your gift. And we invite you to be born in us today. Come and live in us, change us, forgive us, make us new. And Lord, we want to follow you with all our heart for all all our lives. And for those of us who are followers of yours, Lord, may we renew our faith, renew our commitment. May you love us and love through us this Christmas. And Lord, for anybody for whom it's a particularly challenging year, those who've lost a loved one, those who face difficulty and stress, and Lord, we pray that you would surround them with your love and sustain them with your love. For those who are on Tiptoe with joy for those who are in a really good place. May may we recognize the blessings all come from you. And for all of us someplace in the middle, Lord, be with us this Christmas. Make our hearts full of your love and our home full of your light. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Let's sing Silent Night. Let's stand. Go ahead and lead us. I lit night,
1: holy night, oh. Our voices. Silent night, holy night. Son of God, love. Jesus, Lord,
0: at thy word. Amen, Lord. We thank you for beautiful, quiet moments like these. May they quiet our heart and calm our spirit as we move forward into the celebration of Christmas. And now, Lord, as we celebrate your birthday, we give you praise and honor. And we don't forget who the guest of honor is at the party. It's you. So happy birthday, Jesus. We love you with all our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.